This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. Today is a special podcast as we replay the talk from this year's Center for Sports Studies featured speaker, Grand Rapids Gold owner, Steve Jabara. Steve is a 2010 Trine alumnus, and in this talk, he recounts how a chance meeting with Detroit Pistons great Joe Dumars afforded him the opportunity to build his own NBA G League team from the ground up. He also takes questions from students in the audience about how to land a job in sports and leaves them with two pieces of advice from his experience. One, be nice to everyone, and two, grind. I hope that you enjoy the replay of this year's featured speaker. Ladies and gentlemen. Hey, everybody. Um, so I talk once in a while. Honestly, I can tell you my story. I can talk to you about all the stuff I do. But way easier to get through this. Um, if you guys have any questions, just like holler or stop me. I've done this enough where I can remember where I left off. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the intro said, I guess, a little bit. I, I um, When I graduated from, from this um, this university, um, I got a job in Detroit, uh, a company called Arnold Polk. Uh, they were, now they're called IHS, but they're uh, automotive supply company. Um, they did a whole number of things data related for um, all the big auto manufacturers. And then from there, I got poached uh, by a guy um, working on a project at Arnold Polk for Ford. Um, and, uh, and, then, and they brought me over to uh, Ford. I lasted about a year and a half there. Um, people have had incredible careers at Ford, and they've made great lives out of working at Ford and other big, big corporations. Um, but for me, uh, something was kind of missing. And I remember um, I lived in Detroit. Uh, I worked in Dearborn at headquarters. And uh, my journey sort of started one night. Uh, I felt like punching above my weight class a little bit. And I was going to go have a steak dinner at this place called Clemens. Uh, I don't know if anybody's in Detroit. It's a city called Birmingham. There was uh, a little higher in the area. Anyway, I felt good about myself for about a week. And I thought, you know, go treat yourself to me. Um, and so while uh, going to walk up to Clemens, um, I didn't really have any lunch. And uh, I looked at the uh, the menu outside of Clemens. So it was kind of Kind of expensive, probably not worth it. But I'm here, so maybe I'll just go grab a beer. And um, luckily enough, as I sit down to have a beer, uh, the gentleman that sat on my left, his name was Joe Dumars. And Joe Dumars used to play with Detroit Pistons back in uh, the 80s and early 90s, um, and probably 2013, 2012. Um, and at that time, he was the general manager of the Pistons. And so, being a big sport junkie, um, I noticed Joe, and uh, he was kind of having a conversation with people that he was with. And I was so into sitting next to Joe Dumars, you know, and they would kind of laugh, talk, you know, say Joe or something, kind of talk about themselves. I found myself going, ah, like, we're all in this together, right, Joe? And um, eventually he turned to me and he said, you know, what's your problem? And uh, I was kind of like, you know, Joe, like, oh, I'm a big fan of yours, a big fan of this. 
I hate my job, Joe. Like, do you have anything available that I, I could help you with? Um, and uh, his response was, was first no, and then after significant uh, amount of, of beer, uh, his answer kind of changed to, well, uh, we're working on this NBA Development League team, and, uh, you know, you're welcome to kind of come to this pitch. You know, um, yeah, I was 22, um, and I, I didn't really know what to expect, uh, but I thought, you know, the opportunity to go hang out with Joe Dumar again, go to the Palace of Armadillo, and uh, so anyway, uh, end up going to this pitch meeting, and it's some pretty heavy hitters from the state. Essentially, the business kind of put out an RFP that said, look, any community, you're welcome to give us a pitch on, on who wants this team, where they want it, why would you want it, um, and uh, so it was like the Dow Chemical Group that commitment. Um, they brought an architect there. Uh, they had all these great plans for how Dow was going to put money into this team. Uh, the group from uh, Kellogg was there. The CMO of Kellogg was there with people from Dow Creek. Um, and then uh, a group from Michigan State, I think it's the fleet of London group was there. And then there was me, a guy that grew up on the west side of the state and was kind of there because I think I was being annoying and I, and I asked to be there. Um, and so everybody went along and gave all their pitches. And, um, and then it came to me and everybody had five presentations and reasons. And I didn't really know why I was there, but I was happy to be there. I eating all these free snacks. And uh, it kind of came to me and I said, look, you know, I'm from the west side of the state. Uh, you know, the Griffin during Grand Rapids, which is the Frederick affiliate and uh, the White Caps are there, which is the Tigers affiliate. You know, makes a lot of sense to me that you guys should do that too. Um, and so that was pretty much my speech. I think I talked for another like three or four minutes, blacked out halfway through. I have no idea what I said. But um, ultimately, Joe and this guy, George Davis, this is PM, went into their little think tank and they came back out and they said, Steve, you're the one we want to go with. And I was like, dude, I was just supposed to be here. Maybe get some free tickets. Um, and so anyway, uh, here I go. Joe says, look, you're the one we want to go with. And tomorrow you're going to fly out to New York and you're going to meet with David Stern, um, who is the old Adam Silver. Uh, and uh, you're going to go try and get an expansion team from the NBA. Okay. And I'm such a yes man. Like one of my greatest weaknesses other than maybe my six pack would be that I'm, uh, I'm just such a yes man. So I say, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And um, so I flew to New York, and I remember I had a 1230 to 1235 meeting with David. David had this huge office. He had two secretaries. And as you got to the first one, um, they kind of let you through. And I remember she was like, oh, you're Steve? Yeah. Big sweaters. I'll put a sweat through my suit. And, um, and they called me in. And the second administrative person said, you know, come on in. Um, and I just want you to know that David had, had lunch yet, and I got to talk to you about it. Yeah. So, um, essentially, I walked in. I said, Mr. Stern, my name is Steve Barr. Joe Dumar sent me. Uh, the Detroit Pistons really want to have this And this guy's reading the newspaper while I'm on the um, And as I got done with my spiel, where I probably said it like Joe Dumar 50 times, um, he looked up and he said, 
said, Joe sent you? He said, he said, you got to be blank kidding me. And I said, no, no, no. Joe sent me this pen. He's like, what do you want? You want an autograph? And again, at the time, I was so excited to be there. I didn't realize what a slight that was. And I was like, yeah, I want an autograph. What a great couple days I'm having. I got to the house on the hills and they had to do more. I got an autograph. I'm in New York. Um, so essentially, he was like, look, there's no way you're going to see it. Here's your autograph. And I was psyched um, to go back and not have to fulfill this situation I found myself in. Um, and so I get back, and Joe said, you know what? Go back out there again. Just offer more money. More money? We haven't even really talked about that yet. Who's paying for this thing? Um, and so I uh, went back out. Next day, I met with Adam Silver and Mark Tatum, uh, who was the deputy commissioner and the CMO at the time. And um, they were much more cordial about it. But essentially, they were like, look, we just added a team to Fort Wayne. Uh, we're going to add a team uh, in New York next. And any other Midwest things really aren't on our radar right now. But here's a bag of NBA socks. I mean, I'm having tremendous time going out to New York. Every time I go, I leave something really cool. Um, so what happened was on my way back to tell Joe the bad news the second time, he's outside the practice still is. I'm driving up. He's kind of doing this fish pump like something great had happened. I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, he got the wrong message from somebody. Um, but what happened, uh, what happened was between the two meetings, I called a couple of teams that were in the league to try and get some you know, element how these things work and, and, and how you run them. And everything like that. Well, anyway. One of the teams I had called while I was meeting with Adam Silver called Joe Kumar and he said, Hey, you tell Steve, uh, if they don't give him an expansion, he can just buy my franchise. So Joe had pretty much already cut the deal. Um, and and we were on our way. So I decided to quit my job. Um, I was I was burning for PTL going to New York uh, a couple of times. Um, so I quit my job, and uh, the guy structured a deal that I had three months to raise one and a half million dollars uh, to buy this franchise, um, and that we would just change the affiliation from what he was in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, obviously, uh, and that's where you know obviously all the challenges began. Uh, luckily, I had a roommate here, Brian, who worked for the uh, so I. I, I grabbed him and brought him to Grand Rapids with me, and we knocked on every single business in Grand Rapids trying to sell uh, this team and, and grab investors. Um, didn't know how to do that, and didn't know how to set up a small business, didn't know how to take investment, didn't know how to uh, you know, get everything started. Um, this doesn't scream basketball investment by any means. Um, and, and even then, you know, our pitches weren't great. Um, we did the math some years later. Um, we probably got told no well over 2,000 times. Um, but it was interesting what had happened is we, Grand Rapids is a relatively big city, but small. Um, when we hit about 60% yeses, um, and again, nobody would give us cash, but everybody said if you get X amount of money, then we'll kind of like a a fundraiser or something like that. Um, if you hit 4.5, sure, we'll cut you a check for 20 grand or 30 grand, whatever. So everybody was like, um, 
we hit about 60%, probably took us two and a half months to three months to get to about 60%. And the last 40% um, took about three days. And that was just because people didn't want to miss out now that we had like a little bit of credibility. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that was that. We, we launched, um, had a terribly embarrassing first press conference. I had completely forgot to name the team. Um, and that never came up at all in my mind at any point in the three months raising money that I needed to name the team. Uh, sitting there at the press conference, you know, there's nothing worse than trying to kind of peacock at something you know, a little bit better and a little bit more uh, business savvy than you are. And some of the first question that goes up in the press conference that you're so proud of yourself raising all this money is, yeah, Mr. Jabbar, what's the name of the franchise? So anyway, um, that's kind of that's how the team uh, started. So we are uh, we've been running for eight seasons now. We were with the Pistons uh, for seven seasons. Uh, we had a little breakup last year. Uh, the Detroit Pistons really wanted their franchise uh, right next to their uh, arena in Detroit. Um, we tried to negotiate for about two years, uh, and it just never. I never really wanted to sell. Um, I wanted to franchise. So, uh, luckily enough, uh, when we broke up, I flew out to Denver, met with the Nuggets guys. Uh, they were ecstatic to be our, our partner. So, we're with them now. They give us a great coach. We've had a tremendous roster this year. Um, tough to make the playoffs. But, uh, but that's kind of the basketball side and the sports side. Um, the neat thing about having all these investors. Which is a pain in the ass. We had 487 investors when we started this team because I had no money and I was willing to take anything from anybody. I took five grand, you know, like five grand investments, just pay four and a half grand. Desperate. Um, uh, but the cool thing about having all these people is anybody that invested uh, became a season ticket holder just because they were part owner and they wanted to be part of the club and they bought all our best and they. You know, they wanted their company out on the floor and they wanted all this recognition. And so for the first couple of years, we were very profitable because all these investors wanted to be there and wanted to think. Um, so we did pretty well in our, our first couple of years. Um, but, it, but the neat thing was I had all these investors that kind of saw me as this entrepreneurial person. So every time somebody had an idea, they kind of threw it in and um, ended, up spinning, ended up spinning out kind of two other startups. Um, one did pretty well, one did really, really well. Um, that we ended up selling to Amazon. Um, once I got a little money uh, from Amazon, I was doing a terrible job of investing in startups. Every startup I picked, or just talking about this, every startup I picked and gave cash to turned into dirt. And, and for whatever reason, I'm good at investing in running companies, but I'm terrible at picking out investments. Um, and so I wanted to find a way to continue to be um, involved in like the entrepreneurial. And so I met a guy that ran a boutique ad agency uh, in Detroit. And so what we do now is we're what's called services for equity. So we invest advertising resources in startups uh, in exchange for equity. So instead of giving so and so share company, uh, you know, hundred grand for five percent, uh, we'll give you you know hundred fifty thousand dollars. Advertising uh, resources. So, if you're early stage, we'll do package design and branding and logo and all that other stuff. You know, if you're kind of middle stage, we'll do digital spend, we'll put together a new package for you. 
little bit more advanced and some of the more traditional things that we'll do. Um, but the idea is, is we lend these dollars to startups if we do our job uh, from the ad agency side. Um, by the time that money's exhausted, 150 is exhausted, you should be in a place to, to spend it now. So um, that is when the model gets really cool. Invested in company, they've gone all the way through. Now they have revenue. Now they're spending with us to be their ad agency and open the place for 10 to 15 percent of business. So that's cool. And then the last thing I do before you know, I'll take any questions from anybody um, or dig deeper in any here. Um, I got uh, I got accepted into uh, Harvard's MBA program. And uh, and, I, and, I, and I went, and uh, I have a really hard time reading. So um, I have a rule of all three offices that I don't appreciate emails longer than you know, four or five minutes. So I'll leave it as unread, and I'll need to go back and check it at some point. But that inbox starts getting hammered, and then I'm not going to go back to it. Um, but Harvard teaches the case study method. And so you read a lot of case studies, eight pages from that text. Um, and about two days into this MBA program, I felt like I was a sophomore in high school in Spanish class that hadn't prepped for the vocabulary test. And I was like, oh, just don't call on me. Like, I was so far behind two days. In. And so I'm, I'm ready to drop off. And uh, interestingly enough, as I, as I make my exit, my hand, I see myself doing some sort of kick of the door. That's how I tell the story. So I kick the door open. I must have let out, like, forget this or something like that. And there's this guy out there smoking a stick. And um, he's like, what's, what's wrong? Uh, but he's just living for me. Uh, I'm kind of drowning two days in. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. It's for me either. Um, but I'm going to walk to the bookstore and get my sweatshirt and hat, and I can remember that I made it here. Uh, so you want to walk with me. And now this guy was very difficult to talk to. Um, you know, turns out he's a six X PhD chemist. He has six PhD chemistry. He was taking the course to try to learn how to commercialize his ideas better. Um, it's very difficult to talk to, but I'm sure like most of you, can make somebody feel good by giving you know a nice conversation to them or laughing when you think something's funny or asking additional questions some people aren't really sure what he's talking about. Um, and so we did we walked Canvas for two hours. Um, then we left. And um, about two years later I get a brand new phone and um, hey you remember me? Oh, man, if you were in one of my study groups, there's no way you remember me. And I, I really don't want to have forgotten about that part. He said, no, we want to get this together. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's up? I don't even know. And uh, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to follow the story. He says, I think I invented something. You might have coming out of my lab. I said, okay, sure. So I pull out to Cambridge, um, met in his lab. Um, what he created uh, is this catalyst, which you got on of science. I've been working with the company for three years, so I have no idea what he is. But he created this catalyst. Um, and what this catalyst does, when this catalyst is exposed to carbon, uh, creates a reaction that then forms liquid ethanol. Um, 
Um, and so we get to be in this lab that has flat box. These, uh, all these little tablets at the bottom look like little black uh, Advil looking tablets. Um, and they have all sorts of minerals and elements, metals, and things I still don't really understand. Um, but he starts piping in CO2 and they change the sheet and movement and this condensation on the glass. And within 30 seconds per minute, these things are floating um, in this liquid. And they you know, scientifically grabs the liquid out and puts it in a little beaker thing with a pet strip. And, uh, he's like, you know, you're out of the box, which we do. Well, I don't know that's not this. So he's like, well, take your time, go back to your hotel, and figure out what you're going to do. Um, and the moral of the story, the reason I can tell that to people is no matter what situation you're in in life, you can always be like, in two years, I was the only human being that had a conversation. I was the one who decided to call. And so now we have a massive business in New York City. Um, we capture carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. We run it against catalyst. We create ethanol. We take the ethanol two different kind of trajectories. One, we make jet fuel. Uh, the other trajectory is you can add 60% water to ethanol. Uh, alcohol. So we have a line of spirits, fragrance, uh, sanitizer, and other things uh, that we essentially make from air of sunlight and water. So now we're using jet fuel uh, for uh, United Airlines, space. I went all over the map there, but uh, that's kind of me. Um, I don't know if anybody has any questions or wants to dig in deeper on that stuff. There's the appetizer. <laughs> Um, so players, you and I, Julie, players, and I, you guys. 
So uh, there's a lot more conversations that uh, need to be had as far as uh, negotiations. Um, a lot more things need to be bargained, like housing. Um, so we get together and we do all that stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, once or twice a year, once uh, maybe at some of these, and then once it all starts, when all the board members start to terrible voting on the so I always tell people um, there's two things I wish I would take it more seriously about. One is speaking class. Um, when I I can speak all day. When I came out of school, I couldn't speak at all. I was I was nervous. I was I was always fumbling over my words. I took terrible note cards and, and, and I couldn't come in the room sort of a manner that I, that I enjoy. Uh, so I would say as uncomfortable as they are, goofy as they can seem sometimes, like learning how to talk is so important. And when you talk about a job in sports, uh, a lot of times the sellers and the marketing team are kind of the first line of, of, of um, the first time some people have been introduced. And so we want to hire people that we don't articulate our brand and our message appropriately. And so in the interviews, you know, you'd be shocked how little I focus on GPA and where you went to school and some of the other stuff as much as I'm just gonna have a conversation with you to figure out good guy, who's great somebody that you know hustles that work hard that um, that we teach you. Uh, so I would say speech and then the other one is comment. Um, Again, I got thrown kind of into the startup world. I didn't know anything about I couldn't remember anything. I needed I needed to outsource that. I couldn't even understand the, the PL that we were coming up with on the I got better at it, but I, I never really knew it initially coming out of school. And that was an opportunity. It's tough. It's a tough course. <laughs> no, they're not super exciting, but it was really, really important. I wish I would have. More seriously. And one of the reasons I wanted to do the MBA from Harvard is I, I, I don't think I paid attention. I don't think I focused enough on some of the things that I was taught here. And I thought I needed another, you know, another uh, uh, So I would say those, those two things really uh, are not the speed or not the rest. All right. I know we've got a number of formats here. We've got a lot to want to write the world for. So as long as being able to talk and what the doctor does, things kind of like specific where they wanted to work for the world sport, they need to be doing uh um, instant skill, they need to apply what they're graduating. Um yeah, I think the sales is huge. Sales is the number one way to get that work. It's the easiest way to get in. Um, once you get in, if you do a good job, you can go to any department from there, but getting into the organization is part of it. The most frequently hired position is in sales, inside sales, and sales, whatever, whatever it is. I would say if there's an opportunity to practice that stuff while in school, um, that'd be huge. That'd be a huge leg up. Come and they say, look, I worked on this uh, this classroom project. We sold tickets for you know the, the team cap or something like that. That's actually huge. Like it's not easy to sell tickets. It's not easy to have cold call conversation, cold meeting conversation with people. Um, and so any experience you can get in sales realm, I would say take it, absolutely take it. Uh, it's not a necessarily a teachable skill. We talked about it last time. 
think we go to this is that all the different names are kind of like you know the airport rules and what we should follow closest to riders. And essentially it's if our flight got delayed three hours and we, if it's the night before Christmas and we're frustrated and we didn't travel for seven days, flight just got delayed another two hours. I got two bags that I shouldn't I should have checked in the first place. Are you somebody I could sit in the airport with for another three hours and not want to blow my brains out? It goes so far in the hiring process. If you're just somebody that, I guess you get it, but like um, those are really the two things. If you have any experience and are you somebody that I can hang out with and, and I want to teach them to do um, Life is awareness, and there's 
whole bunch of different ways to look at things. Um, but having the awareness of things that while in counting west, I'm like absolutely mythical, I have this choice in my head to either say, okay, you know, I'm going to make the best of this thing, I'm going to try and learn as much as possible from it, or having the work to be like miserable, this sucks, you know, I'm just going to be kind of upset the whole lot. I think that stuff and, and the ability to overcome things is like, you know, I played baseball here. I probably played three innings total my career here. I didn't play. I was so bad. Um, and there were times like, you know, working, like, working out and doing this and doing that, like, it never worked. But I tell you what, getting through that was, was one of the hardest things I've done in life because I was so beat up all the time while not playing. Um, I think it made me a better person, you know, today. And so, you know, I would encourage you guys to go out for three years. Trying it out for art. Um, you can go out for Have the awareness to, to look at things a little bit better. Whether, you know, again, I don't want to get all philosophy on you, but if you're standing in line in the checkout aisle, I know I find myself when I'm in my car and speeding to come down here and I'm riding somebody like crazy. Have the awareness to look at that opportunity. Maybe that person in front of you has been in a terrible car accident at some point. You know, it's going to take you an extra three minutes to get there, slow down a little bit. Um, same thing with checkout. You know, it's not a little less fast tomorrow, but I have played a month ago, so um, a little off topic, but yeah, trying it out. Right? So 
just call my parents and say, hey, a really great job I had. Everybody's giving eight plans and I'm handing out you know, card discounts. Uh, I'm going to leave and, and I'm going to try to start a basketball team. That worked out, but ultimately, you know, the future is, I think I, I did the analysis of it. It didn't work out. I didn't somehow end up in jail. Uh, I could always go back. Um, and that was sort of my decision. But I think I'll be in another position at some point. And I, I built good rapport with everybody at Ford to the point where when I kind of let them know what I was doing, I did get a lot of girls to play with them. need to come back. You know, kind of choose the um, And so I think in that standpoint, it's a little bit um, less risky. Uh, but still, you know, I think you know, the key is to just evaluate. Um, you see a lot of people jumping around um, in their careers. And uh, kind of something we talked about earlier, but loyalty in a career standpoint is it's much harder to come back now. You can, you can jump and you can change your title and you can make a little more cash. And, um, and sometimes the loyal employee, you know, stays on steady course and you know, the product's quite as fast as you do it. So, um, all that to say, I put the opportunity in front of you and think it's what's best for you. You know, go for it. I'm taking the point of go for it. Um, I will say that in all three companies I have, uh, people that have quit, 92% of people that have quit or left for another job have come back after their job. The grass isn't always greener. I'm a heck of a boss. So, what advice for people for Yeah, I think make yourself super reliable. Go out of things. You know, it's give um, hard proofs. You know, I think uh, a lot of people uh, I come out of school and it's, it's tough to switch to like a nine to five. Like you're tired and you miss your naps that you guys have that terrorist zones. But it, it, it's, it's tough to work a nine to five. So a lot of times people come out of school doing kind of bare minimum. Um, and so I think, you know, if you're able to kind of check yourself apart, like doing a little bit more, joining this club or, you know, the internal kind of group at the company, uh, I think that goes a long way. And again, like I said, even as it relates to sales, however you're entering the engineering company, if you can crank out and do a good job for a year and a half, you can really go where it was fun. Uh, but it's sticking around for a while uh, and that's, uh, again, I think it's a valuable part of it. At some point, and I think it might have happened like my senior year here. At some point, I, I knew like, I wanted to go on a lot of people. I think you have that pretty addictive thing. Uh, it wants to go into the joint. I've had the opportunity now to kind of stop doing things. Um, but I sort of have a personality. You know, I, I like driving off fleets, but success and things like that. Um, even with this new air company. Um, you know, every day we find out another application for our, our technology. That's really fun to go to work on today, trying to figure out who else is successful, how well is that thing. Um, I think I have a good line of business. But now, you know, I have a championship That's something I want to get at some point. Um, the, if you're going to add it to the telephonic honey, I get a lot out of the startup. Um, so, um, and their company is 
past, former investors, things like that. Uh, but I'd say early on, it's really important. I think you can really grow your career up establishing a good network of like age and like minded people. Right? Sir? Say a question to the last, to the last What's your biggest fear? My biggest fear currently is that this air company has an opportunity to really do some pretty cool things globally. Um, I met with a four-star general the other day that um, started the meeting off with uh, our, you know how many gallons of gas Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out our social media for our next guest on April 12th. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes today. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Center for Sports Studies podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating if you've liked what you heard. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS, and subscribe to our YouTube page by searching for Trine University Center for Sports Studies. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.